We've been in a series called Who Do You Love? Who do you love? And so today is our finale. When you leave today, we got a gift for you. We can't wait for you to get that. And, um, but we've been in a series called Who Do You Love? And we believe that God's put us on this earth to, to, to love people. That's why we're here. That's kind of why we exist. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, the Bible says this, let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. If you're going to pick a goal, it ought to be, it ought to be love. And that ought to be the highest thing that we do. The most important thing we do ought to be I'd be loved. We ought to be marked, marked by love. And I love what the message translation, uh, how like, I like how the message translation uh, communicates that verse. It says this, um, love like your life depends upon it. I mean, that's pretty, like, we need oxygen to live. We need water to live. But that, that translation says, love like your life depends upon it because it actually does. Our life depends on the way that we, the way that we love people. We also looked at John chapter 13. The Bible tells us this. I'm gonna give you guys a new commandment. Hope Church, I'm gonna give you a new commandment. People that come, people in the city, believers that follow Jesus, I'm gonna give you a new commandment. Here's the new commandment. Love each other. We're called to love each other. And here's what he says. I want you to love people just as I have loved you. The same way that God loves you, we're supposed to love other people the exact same way. That is super hard to do, but we're called to love people the way that we were loved. You should love each other. Jesus drives home the point. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you guys are my disciples. Like if, if you want people to know that you're my disciples or you're a Jesus follower, the way that you do that is by the way that you love people. We ought to be the greatest lovers out there. We ought to love people well. We ought to do a good job at loving people. And, um, and so that's what God's called us to do. We believe as a church, God's called us to do that. But some of us, sometimes we think the opposite of that. We think, man, the way people know we love them is if we hold billboards. And I've asked you guys before, have you ever seen that guy with the bullhorn? And he yells out. And so I told you guys last week I'd bring this picture for you. And so they'll put it up on the screen for you. But I was at a conference a few weeks ago, a church conference. And um, there was a, this guy was putting this conference. His name is Ed Young. He's putting on a conference for pastors to come be encouraged and inspired to go out there and do what they're supposed to do. And the day one, and then I heard this bullhorn guy yelling out there. And you've ever been to downtown Orlando or been to places where there's masses of people, people out there yelling, you're, you're going to hell. Well, Ed Young is the guy that actually put the conference on <laughs> for pastors to go out and talk about God's love. And here they are saying, hey, Ed Young, you're going to hell. And that's how people, some people think they'll know well, I'm a Christian by if I use a bullhorn or if I put a large sign out there that says, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. Or if I bash everybody else, then that makes me a, a Christian. But the Bible tells that the way people know we love them, the way people know we are Jesus followers is by the way that we by the way that we love. And so over the last few weeks, we've unpacked a couple of things that we think it's important for us to love. I think this, we got to love our city. I need to love, who do I love? I love, I love my city. And we kind of categorize city as this, everywhere you go. Everywhere you go is, is your city. Everywhere you have an opportunity. So whether it's your work or it's your job, it's the people that you see out there at, at, at Publix or at, at your, wherever you shop at. You, people you love, everywhere you go, you want to love, love well. And so we kind of looked at this. Everywhere you go, you want to leave it better. Everywhere you go, you want to leave it better. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she was saying, you know, I think as Christians, Whenever we go to Publix, whenever we're done with our shopping cart, we should put the shopping cart back. How many of you guys, you're, you put it back? You put the shopping cart back. Yeah, three of you guys. Like, that's the most interaction I got from this church in a long time. We almost did the wave in here. Um, I'm not going to ask any of you guys don't because the people that do will start judging you. And I don't want them to judge us. And when I say you, I mean us. The other day, my son's like, I mean, I'm preaching in two weeks. Wherever you go, you got to leave it better. And my son says to me, hey, dad, sweet seven-year-old. Hey, Dad, you want me to put the cart back up? And I'm like, no, just leave it right there. 
I feel like trash. I'm like, man, why did I do that? I'm like, I'm in a hurry. You know, I sometimes I get so busy that doing the right thing, sometimes we're, we get busy. That's why we don't do the right thing. That's one of the reasons why we don't do the right thing. So I'm like, man, man, we should do that. We got to leave places better. We go to a restaurant. We got to clean up after ourselves. I went to Chipotle last night, which is a common theme in my life. It's, it's at least once a week. But we got to clean up and we got to leave it better than we, we found it. We also talked about this that first week. Whoever we come in contact with, we got to leave them encouraged. We got to leave them encouraged. Yesterday, I was at the farmer's market um, seeing, seeing my brother. And, and when I got out there to the farmer's market, I saw this lady, and she was, she was great with child, like Shannon, like Shannon, who's due in three days. That's how you know you love your church, when you come to church three days before you're due. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, man, she's hardcore, you know. But this lady was a great child, and I said, hey, congratulations. Now, listen, I, I made sure she was pregnant because I'm the guy where if it's kind of like, I've, my, I've gotten a little bit more mature, ladies. I, I've seen some ladies, I'm like, she could be pregnant, she could not be pregnant, and I just rolled the dice. I'm like, hey, congratulations. I have a lady look at me, ladies look at me and say, for what? I'm like, you're not, so you're not pregnant. You're, no? Okay, cool, my bad. You know, I walk away, and I mean, you can imagine me, it's, it's hard to see, uh, you know, brown-skinned brother blush, but I was blushing. I mean, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did it. So now I make sure, like, they got to, like, I, it's like, you know, sometimes with women, it's in case some of you guys, you're, maybe you're not married or you don't really know for sure, but women are sometimes, it's kind of like, it's kind of like having a, it's kind of like cooking a turkey, and that thing you put in there, as soon as it's ready, it pops out. So I try to make sure the belly button's sticking out, and then I'm like, man, she's, she's, well, she's well done. <laughs> That's wrong, right, Vicky? man, what is wrong with me? Uh, but I see it, I'm like, wherever we go, I'm like, hey, congratulations on the baby. And she's like, oh, thanks so much. And the lady next to me goes, oh, that was so nice of him. I want to leave people encouraged. Uh, everywhere I go, I want to leave a mark. A lot of times I leave a bad mark, but I want to make a positive mark. I want to be like, oh, that's awesome. I have some friends uh, here today that um, they're that, that visiting the church and they moved here from Philadelphia. They, they walked up to me today and I'm like, like hey, my, um, my buddy's going to be watching this eventually. Now that I'm talking about it, he's going to be watching this podcast. But she was saying, um, Oh, I'm from Josh Todd's church. And I immediately start laughing, Diana, because Josh Todd was my college roommate. Now, you, if you've ever had a college roommate, fast forward 15 years, 17 years, you did some things that you shouldn't have done. So now you can laugh. And now it's okay to laugh. You know what I'm saying, Chris? Like, but when it was happening, like, we did some, I'm thinking about, as soon as she said, I'm from Josh Todd's church, I automatically start thinking about all the stupid things that we did, said, and we shouldn't have done. <laughs> and I'm laughing about that college was a great experience. You're going to love it if you haven't made it there yet. It's great. Everywhere we go, we got to leave people encouraged and inspired. If we don't know them or if we do know them, we got to leave that. So we talk about, I love my city. Week two, we talk about this. I love my community. I love my community. Your community, we defined this last week. It's the people that are around you. It's your friends and your family. Those are the people that are the closest to you, the people that you know, people that you live with, the people that you see every single day. Those are your friends and your family. You gotta love those people well. But if we're honest in here today, it's sometimes hard to love the people that we know the most. Let's be honest. It's hard sometimes to love people that you know. You know, for example, your mom or dad, you know, because they're your punisher. You know, my dad's here today on the front row. Like, it's hard to love my dad. It's hard to be a parent and love your kid because I've, I've done some stupid stuff. I remember one time I accidentally pocket dialed my dad and I was telling my friends about this time that I snuck out in high school and my parents never found out about it. Well, man, talk about busted. I pocket dialed him. My dad's like, hey, uh, I was in college. He was like, hey, your allowance, you're not getting that this week. I'm gonna, you thought I didn't know, but now I, now I know. I remember when I first started, uh, when I first started uh, stalking Diana, I mean liking Diana, she went to Kenya on a missions trip. Well, I called her in Kenya. 
I didn't know you were supposed to use a calling card. I didn't know you were supposed to have a long distance plan. I was like, you know, pound, one, the, 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 the number code there. It was like 15 digits. That should have been a heads up. That's going to be an expensive phone call. But I, I, get, I get done with the summer. My dad's like, I got the, my dad called me one day. He's like, hey, I got the phone bill. I'm like, congratulations. <laughs> it's your job. You're the dad. Pay the thing, you know? That's what I said to him. No, I didn't say it to my dad. My dad would have knocked me out, you know? Um, but my dad said, it, I said, oh, that's, that's cool, dad. He goes, funniest thing happened. There was a $400 phone call to Africa. And I'm like, why were you calling Africa? <laughs> He's like, you were, son. You, you called Africa. But we're called to love the people. That's hard to love the people that we're closest to. It's hard sometimes because we know everything about them, the good and the bad. But we talked about freedom last week and forgiveness and freedom follows forgiveness. Freedom follows forgiveness. So if we're going to love, we got to love the people that are closest to us, even though it's hard. And when we have that, we're, we're called to do that. But I, you know me, pastors, I think pastors are kind of like, uh, pastors are kind of like wannabe, wannabe rappers. That's kind of like, we secretly want to be rappers. So you're like, man, he always comes up with these schematic things. They all kind of kind of go together and they can almost be sing song, you know? And so I, I love my city. That made sense to me. And I, I love my community and I wanted to land strong. So I'm like, man, what am I going to give him tonight? And I thought about, I love my coffee. Like that's a good C word. Like C, that's one of my, that's one of my favorite C words. And or I thought, man, I, I love my, I love my CrossFit. I, I, I love all those things, but I couldn't really preach a whole sermon about CrossFit. And I can sneak it in there every once in a while or all the time. I can sneak it in there. But, um, but I, I want to land today with I love my church. I, I love my church because I love this church. I, I had a dinner and, and coffee a few weeks ago with, with a lady named uh, Debbie and, and her husband, Steve, later that weekend. And we were talking about how to make our church better. And she was talking to me about the church. And, and sometimes you don't know how well you're progressing until you hear um, people share with you stories and, and, and hear if it's impacting or if it's, if it's, if it's working. So I want to know at our church, we say this, we want to love all people at all times and all places. I want to know how well we're doing at that. And sometimes the only way to know if we're doing well with that is if you hear stories, right? Like if something happens that's good, you want to hear about it. Like you want to hear, you want to hear, oh, this is, this is what happened, or hey, here's what, here's what I got out of that. I, I love going to, to, to this week, and I'll, I'll see some of you guys and say, man, I, that, that really encouraged me, or that really inspired me, or I like two services, because when one service is over, someone will come to me and say, man, I really like that. that man, that really inspired me. That, that encouraged me. I, I saw a friend this week at, at the gym, and he was like, man, I, I really like that. That was, a, that was good for me. I, I, I appreciate what you said, and, and, and I like when people say to me, man, I, I told my friend what you said. I'm like, which part? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I shared this, this story or I shared this example of something that you said in your sermon or I, or I taught myself. I, I like that. I want to know that it's working. I want to know that we're sharing truth and people are taking this truth with them out there wherever they go. But I want to land with, with this church, this thing, called, this thing called the church. And here's, here's the problem with this. Here's the tension. I think most people don't have a clue about church. Like they don't know what it exists for. They don't know why we have it. Your friends right now are like, why are they checking in? At, why did they wake up this morning and iron clothes and shower and go to a place called church? What are they, what are they doing in there? Like, that's what they're thinking. Or they're thinking, or your neighbors, like, why do they go every single Sunday? What, what's, what's going on there? When people say to us, I'm like, hey, we meet in a gym. Like, pump the brakes. You meet in a gym? You, you have church in a gym. I got to come see that. Just because in the gym, they don't. Care. But most people have no idea this concept we call the church. They have, they have no idea. So I kind of want to, I kind of want to unpack that for us the, today. I, I saw a friend of mine post this the other day, and I want to kind of cause some tension in your life and in your mind on this idea of church. But here's the deal. Here's what I heard this week, or a couple weeks ago. Church is quite possibly 
the only institution that exists for those who are not its members. Let me read that to you again. Because we're here today, we're like, this is for me. This is my deal. This is, I love my church. This is my church. This is where I go. This is, this is where I do what I do on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. I come here and church is quite possibly the only institution that exists for those who are not its members. I want you to know this today before I get into my, my text today, before, before we get into God's word today. The church exists for the world. The church exists for not the people right now that are in here. Wow, this is here. This is like our, this is like our, our weekly pep rally. This is our weekly attaboy, high five. This is our, you know, our fist bump, chest bump. This is where we come and deal. We come and say hi. We get our hugs. We get our worship on. We get our G's on. And then we go out there and we live out what happened here. We go out and do this on repeat all, day, all week long. We go out there and we love people. We go out there and people will know that we're God's disciples by the way that we love. People will look at us to see if we're actually any different than they are. That's how they're going to know if this churching is real. If they're going to know God's real, it's based upon how we're living our lives. How, how well are you loving? Um, you, you can come today and you can be like, man, I, I give at this church. And you ought to give at church. That's a, it's, a, it's a noble thing. The Bible says a tenth of everything belongs to God. It's a, that's a good reason to come. You're like, well, I, I'm on Dream Team here. We have 100 people on Dream Team. And we got room for more. Oh, I'm on Dream Team. That's a good reason to come. That's, that's good. You can say, I love my church. I, I give here. I serve. You can make, I'm in a group. We had 160 adults in groups, not to mention all the kids. This place is just, kids are everywhere. We, we have some of these groups that there will be, sometimes there's almost as many kids as there are adults. The Bible says that we're supposed to fill up the earth, <laughs> and we're doing it at this church, literally. <laughs> we're called to fill up the earth, and I feel like what God has called us to do is to make sure that we get it right. So we're in these groups and we're, we're giving here and we're serving here and we're in groups and we're hanging out. And I love groups. I have a group that meets at my house. I have two groups that meet in my house. And I learned some incredible things in that group. But there's so much more to church than just giving and serving and being, being relational. It, it, there's, there's, there's more to it. Like, man, how much more can there be to it? Sounds like there's a lot. There really isn't. I, feel, I believe what we're going to talk about today is, is vital. I, I, I want today when you leave here, you say, man, I, I didn't know that. And I'm going to. I'm going to step up in this, in this area. I'm just, I didn't know that. I, I think I told, I told a friend, I was telling a friend this week, like, I think sometimes you come to church and people are like, I didn't know you were supposed to do that. I, I, had, I had no idea. I, I had a friend of mine say, man, I don't even, she, she came to our church and she's like, hey, where's the, she goes, I need to, can you put my offering in the thing? I was like, yeah, give it to that person. They'll, they'll put it in there for you. And I don't take money. I don't trust myself. I'm just kidding. I said, hey, just give it to them. They're, they'll make sure it gets to the right place. And and, and she, she, was saying, she, she was coming for a while, she was giving, she was giving, then she went to the next step, and she's like, oh, that's why we give. I didn't even know we were supposed to do that. She goes, I, just, I had no clue. I had some people that come, like, I've been serving for a while. They, they had no idea why they were supposed to serve, but like, I went to next steps, and oh, I see why we're supposed to serve. That's, that's actually important. We actually need people to help to serve. To, that makes sense. So we, people are jumping in. But there's just some things we just don't know about church. And so I want to unpack it for you today. I'll hopefully say you'll leave them. I mean, that was, that was added value. I... I I get church now. I, I, it makes sense to me now. So John chapter 8, verse 1, if you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along a new version. We'll give you a Bible when you leave today. John chapter 8, the Bible says this. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. <clears throat> early, the, early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. Jesus went to church. If you want to know why you should come to church, because Jesus went to church. He knows everything. Um, Kale and I always joke. Kale and I always joke a lot about kind of like church stuff, and like he'll say stuff, and like, is that okay to say? I'm like, yeah, it's great. Jesus went to church. Like, if you need a good reason to go to church, like Jesus went. 
Like, I don't know. Like, if you're like, I don't know if I should go. I don't know if I need to go. Jesus went, okay? So that's just, that's free. That's not even in the sermon notes. You can just kind of write that down. Jesus went to church, and that's why I go. He goes, so the next one, he's at the church, and a crowd began to gather, because wherever Jesus sat, there's always a party. He sat down, he was teaching them. People wanted to hear what was going on. As he was preaching and speaking, the teachers of the religious law, religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and they threw her at Jesus' feet. Buzzkill. So we have an outsider, this lady, who commits this sin and then we have Pharisees. Now, if you're new to church, there's a group of people in the world called Pharisees. And they're not just in the Bible days. There's some today that we see around us. But here's the deal with the Pharisees. They know this book well. They have all of the head knowledge, but they have no heart transformation. They have all the information. I mean, they know everything. They, I mean, they can get up here and teach this message light out, lights out. They can communicate this thing. Everything you need to know about the Bible, they can communicate it well and not miss a beat. Like, they will nail it. Every single verse, they wouldn't miss it. I mean, these guys studied the Word. They had all this head knowledge, but their heart was not changed. Their heart was not submitted to God. So we have, this, we have Jesus, perfect. Never messed up, never made a mistake. Straight and narrow, this guy lived it. This guy was lights out. I mean, people knew that he was a follower of himself by the way that he loved. He's at church teaching the Bible. I mean, this guy is spotless. I mean, this guy never misses. I mean, people come to him and try to trip him up. He never gets tripped up. I mean, Jesus never, ever missed it. He was fully man, but he was fully God. To all that in the same exact person. So he's up there, he's doing his thing, he's preaching the Bible. And when he gets on, he gets on preaching or he's preaching, these guys walk in, they know all about the Bible. They come and they throw this lady down at Jesus' feet. Now, this lady had been committed in the, in the act of adultery. And if you don't know what adultery was, you can, you can, you can Google it later, okay? She was, she was having relations. And the kicker is this. She gets dragged there. She didn't walk there. This lady didn't have time to put her, put her clothes back on. I don't think they just picked her up and said, hey, you're going to see you. And they thought, she's, talk about, if, we've all done something stupid before. Like, we don't have to raise our hands. We've all done that. We've all experienced guilt in our life. We've all experienced shame in life. No one's, ever, no one's ever been exempt from guilt or shame. We've all done some, we've all had guilt, shame, and some sort of pain in our life. This lady is the embodiment of guilt and, and, and shame and pain. And here she is thrown at Jesus' feet. Could you imagine being in that situation? Now here's the deal. Here's why this is important. Here's some context. I feel like most of my Christian walk, my most of the time, I really... You can relate in the story. You can find a person to be at. And you know where I relate most of the time? Most of my life as a Christian, I have been the guy throwing the sinner at Jesus' feet. And so when I get up here today, I can, I can teach about being a Pharisee well because I live most of my life like that. I did a lot of good things. I've helped, a, I've, I've done the works. The Bible talks about the works that we're called to do, the giving, the serving, the, 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 the helping people, the, the missions. I, but I've also done a lot of judging I've also been like, I'm, I'm the Christian. I used to think this, catch this, you guys. Some of you guys probably have thoughts for it. I used to think to be a good Christian, you had to have khaki pants on, shirt buttoned, tight, nice, nice and looking good, tucked in. I was telling the guys before, I, I, used, to, I used to wear a tie to church every single Sunday. Now I can't because I CrossFit. And so it's kind of hard for me to button. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Some of you guys are like, you ain't that big. <laughs> I saw this video this, the other day about, did anybody see this video recently? This guy, he, he works out one time. And he thought he had the pump. I mean, he thought he was full. Maybe someone sent me this. And, he, and his friends are like, 
put your arms in. He's like, I can't. I just worked out. And his arms are just like that. And the, I'll, I'll speed you up on the story in case you didn't see it because it won't be as funny to you. But he, the house catches on fire. And his friends run out the sliding glass door. And he runs the sliding glass door and he can't get out. <laughs> They're like, just put your arms in. He's like, I can't. I just lifted. <laughs> and he can't get out the door. And the house, he burns in the, in the fire. It's, it's an animated thing. It wasn't like really, I don't think this really happened, you know. But he hit the door and, and the house got there. And he, he burns in the fire because he couldn't, he thought he was, he had the pump on, okay. And so I got the pump now, so I can't really button up my stuff. And so I really feel like a lot of my life, I, I can relate with the Pharisees. I'm the spiritual guy that's saying, hey, Jesus, look at, Jesus, look at those sinners. Look what they're doing. Look what they're saying. And I'm, I'm, I'm here today to speak to you from, I feel like I, I get it. I get what it means to be a Pharisee. But in reality, we're all this, we're, just for a few moments, can you just imagine, we're this lady. We're the sinner. We've got the sin, the shame. We've got the pain. And that's where we find this lady at in this moment, okay? So they say to Jesus, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The, the Bible says, like, you should never tell Jesus, here's what the Bible says. He wrote it. You know, like, that's just not a good... Jesus, here's what you said in the Old Testament. We should stone her. Moses says we should stone her. What do you say? Now, he already knows the answer. They're trying to trip him up. People have spent their whole entire life trying to trip up Jesus. And maybe you in here today, you're like, man, what's he going to say? You're probably thinking, I mean, well, the anticipation is killing me. What does he say? He should say stone her because that's what the Bible says to do. I mean, he wrote that. But here's what he does, here's what he, what he does instead. They're trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down, he wrote in the dust of the finger. I don't know what he says in, in, in the ground, but he writes something on the finger. Then they, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let one of you guys who has never sinned throw the first stone. She's thrown at Jesus' feet. Like, Jesus, what should we do? He's down there coloring. Like, that's the first, that's the first etch-a-sketch, the sand. He's like doodling in the sand there. I don't know what he's writing, but I totally get it. Like you ever been ignored by someone before with a cell phone in their hand? That's the experience that we're having. Hey, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah, yeah, what do you want? Like, 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 you know, double tap. You know, like I got a like from one second ago. I got another like, you know, like we're like locked and you all have, do any of you guys have that friend that always has their phone on, on their hand? Do you have that friend? And, if you're not raising your hand, you, you, you may be that friend, you know, like, and we're all judging you. I'm just kidding. I always have, the, in my, I always have it in my hand, and <clears throat> me and Kale. Um, so in this story here, he writes down, he's doodling in the ground, all right? He's, he's, whatever he, I don't know what he's doing, but he's writing in the ground, and they say, Jesus, we need, you, we need your answer right now. Jesus, give us an answer right now. Give us the answer. Tell us. So they said, give us the answer, and he goes, all right, here's what we're going to do. <clears throat> we're going to let the one of you who has never sinned, throw the first stone. Whoever, whoever has never sinned before, you start stoning her. The law says we're gonna stone her. Any of you guys that have never ever sinned before, you start throwing, you get the party started. You start throwing the stones at her. Let's, let's get this thing going. And then he goes back to his Etch-a-Sketch. And he said, I don't know if he says, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's writing to her. She's on the ground. The only one in the ground, on the ground is her. Everyone else is like, Jesus, what are you going to do? What's like, how are the chips going to fall in this? And he gets on the ground. He goes one time. He goes there a second time. And I don't know if he's writing to her. Hey, it's going to be okay. 
Hey, I love you. Hey, the best is yet to come. Hey, you've got a future. I don't know what he's writing. It's not that important. What's important is what happens next, I believe. I've preached this before, and I've preached what he wrote, what I thought he wrote. And I think some, I think some theologians wrote, and I, I think too, I think, I think he wrote the words forgiven. Just, he just wrote that down, like, it's all good, bro. Like, I think something like that. I don't know, but <clears throat> here's what happens. Verse 9, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd, with the woman. They came there, they throw her down. Jesus, what do you say? Jesus doesn't answer the question the way they think he's gonna answer the question. Any of you guys that are perfect and you've never sinned, then you start throwing, you start throwing rocks and slowly but surely you start hearing rocks dropping on the floor and guys walking away. All the people with all this knowledge, all these people who know the Levitical law, they know all the, the laws of Moses, they know all these rules, they know all the standards, they know all the, they know the whole entire thing, what Jesus should do. Jesus rewrites the script on them and he says this to them, whatever you guys that have never sinned before, you guys, and they start dropping the stones and Jesus, it says here, they one by one, beginning with the oldest until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Like, didn't even, you didn't get one rock thrown at you? And I'm, she's, in, I, she's on the floor. Like, I, I try to get you guys in the story. She's on the floor, probably in a fetal position. She's probably prepared for, for rocks to throw. I know it's like to be get prepared to have things shot at you. My son has more Nerf guns than he needs, Diana. And his, it was his birthday. He had this Nerf gun party and every kid brought him a Nerf gun. Like we have enough to go out and we're ready for Armageddon. That's how many Nerf guns that we got. A zombie apocalypse, we're set. He has all these Nerf guns. Well, he's like, hey dad. I'm like, don't, don't point that gun at me, son. I've been saying that my whole entire life. By the way, Josh Todd, my roommate in college, used to throw pencils at me. And I was like, dude, don't do that. And I'd always, in my mind, I was like, my mom said you're not supposed to throw pencils, you know. I would, and I would say stuff like that to Josh, and Josh would just do more mean stuff to me. I mean, he was just, he was a brutal roommate. I've, I've got some, some scars in me from what he used to do to me. I can't even, most of them I can't even talk about in church. But he would throw pencils at me. Well, then my son comes out to me. I was like, son, don't point that gun at me. He brings me a gun. He's like, here, Dad, here's a gun for you. And I was like, I don't need that. He goes, mom has a rule. As long as someone has a gun, then we can aim it at him. I'm like, your mom's a savage, you know, like. That's how this goes. So he says, hey, all the rocks, she's there. She's, she's kind of hiding. She's kind of scared. The rocks begin to drop. And the older people, because they're smart, I, I, I've told you this all the time. I like when older people come to me and say, hey, man, I, I really like that. I like the way you, way you spin that. I, I like the way, that you, way you, the way you taught us that because they've lived a long time. And the oldest people drop the rocks first. Jesus goes down and he etches sketch again. They all leave. It's just her and Jesus now. And he says to her, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And she says, no. And, and, and note this, this is the first time she's talked. That's just a freebie. Like this whole conversation is going on. You ever been in a conversation you can't get a word in? It's like being in a conversation with me. So some of you guys, you, you guys all get it. You can't get a, <laughs> some of you guys just looked at your wife. <laughs> Which that's wrong, you know. Um, I can't because she'll, I mean, she's over there. I'm not even going to look that direction. But I. I'm the talker. I like to, I'm talking. And she, she finally says, no. Note this. This is all she says. She says, no. That's, that, 
her claim to fame in the, in the Bible, she's in the Bible, it's kind of negative, very negative. And all she gets in is one word, no, 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 Lord, there, no, no, Lord, she said. And then Jesus said this, then neither do I. And then he says this to her, go and sin no more. Now in the Bible, the Bible is written in two parts. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And I'm almost done. In the Old Testament, we've been given the law and it's all these rules that we're supposed to follow. And to be honest with you, none of us can get them all. These Pharisees, they would have added rules to the rules. In the, in the Old Testament, there'd be over 600, some people use the number, over 600 rules to follow. Can you imagine trying to follow 600 rules? That's a lot of rules. And Jesus says, hey guys, I'm gonna narrow this down. I'm gonna give you a new commandment. Like you have the 10 and you guys missed it. You just couldn't even nail it on the 10. 10's not a big number. I'm gonna nail it down to one. I want you to, I want you to love me and I want you to love people. That's what I want you to do. Now, here's the thing. In this story, you and I are thinking, man, stone him, Jesus. That's what she deserves. Stone him. But there's a part of you that are saying, hey, let's give her grace. Like, let's put her arm, let's love her. Like, I like that. That feels, man, that he forgave her. Like, we love that. that some of us in here, that made you feel like you, an emotion left your body and it felt, man, that felt good. If you've ever felt forgiveness before, it feels so good. Like this lady, all her life, her, this, this is the moment of her truth for her. She's, she's, a, she's seconds away from dying. From, and this isn't like throwing pebbles. This is boulders. She's this far away from being stoned and boulders being dropped on her. And her life changes in an instant because she met Jesus. And here's the deal. There are a lot of people in this city that they feel like they're this close from death. And what they need the most is the church. And that's you and I. The church is not 100 Windermere, Windermere Road. The church is you and me. We're the, if you're a Christian here today and you're a Jesus follower, the Bible says, I'm gonna build my church and the church is you guys. We are it. We're the hope. The hope for the world is Jesus and you and I are called to connect people to Jesus. So let me end with this. I was in New York a few weeks ago. <clears throat> I actually bumped into Fraley and Brooke there. It was crazy. It was nuts. Same fly. It was, I can't even explain it to you. And we go to the, we're at the 9-11 memorial. And this, this guy's giving us directions to the stock exchange. And he says, before you get there, there's a church there. If the doors are open, you, you ought to go. And I want to show you the church that, that's there. It's a really beautiful church there in New York. To the left of us, <clears throat> yeah, that's awesome. Leave it there for just a second. I love this. I mean, there's buildings everywhere. You can't even see the sun in New York. The buildings are so tall. And to the left of us is the stock exchange. You can see on the bottom of the stock exchange. You can go in there, and this is where all the money is going through, through, our, through our country. We, we've, we did the whole tourist thing. And before we got to this picture, if you go to that, if you go all the way down the hallway, you make a right, go up two blocks, make a left, it's the 9-11 memorial. And the guy says to us, I'm not paying attention to a lot of things, but I am locking into one thing. One thing he said to me, he said, he said to us, he said, hey, when you go down the street, you make a right. On the right, there'll be a big church. And when you get to the church, make a left. That's get the stock exchange. But when you get to the church, if the doors are open, you want to go in. And he said something that burnt to mind. Here's what he said. He goes, if the doors are open, it means they want you to come in. And I was like, huh, sounds familiar. Took out my phone. I wrote it down. I put it in my phone. This was, this was a month ago and it, and it stuck it stuck in my mind and it gave me, it gave me the, 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 it gave me what I want to share with you today is basically what, what I want to say to you today. 
And, and here's, here's a couple things that I wanted to give you today that, that I think are super, super important. I told you the church exists for the world. We need to let people know that the doors are open. I was like, man, that's so powerful. You and I, we need to let people know that the doors are open. Now, here's the kick of the doors are going to close here. It's so, so important for us to know that, that the church is not this address. The church is you and I. People should be coming to us, but they don't know. People should be coming to the church, but they don't know. They don't know the doors are open. We got to let everyone in the city know, this whole entire community, we got to let people know that the doors are open. Now, here's what's so powerful. Here's what I like about two stories, two services. I get, I get better information as we go. I walk out of here and I see Debbie Andrews, who's a sweet, sweet, sweet lady. And Debbie said to me, he goes, you know that church there? I said, yeah. She goes, that's the church where the firefighters that were working at Ground Zero, that's where they had lunch at. If they got tired, that's where they went to, to get a nap at. If they needed a drink, that's where they went there. And I was like, oh my goodness. And guys, people are looking for Jesus. They don't know where to go. And we have to let them know that the doors are open. And you and I, we're the, we're the church. So everywhere you go, people should be able to come in. That's why we want to leave them better. That's why we leave them encouraged because then they're going to know, oh, that's what the church looks like. I want that. We're supposed to feed people. We're supposed to give people water. We're supposed to put clothing on people. We're called to help you. That's what we get to do all the time. And that's the church. But people aren't coming. They're coming to the doors, but they don't even know that they're open or they're walking around. They don't know where to go. They, they need to know there's a church that loves them and that church loves them because God loves that church. You and I, we're the doors. And we got to let people know they can, that they can come in. The doors are open to this place. The doors are open to the church. The doors are open and everyone can come in. When we walked into that church that day, there, there was all kinds of people there. There were people who, who appeared to be homeless there that day. There were people that looked to be um, successful business people. There were people there that were crying and that they were, they, were, they, were, they were praying. There were some people that were sitting there and they were, they were just taking pictures. And there were some people in there, they were just there, just kind of there because maybe someone dragged them in there. But we got to let people know that the doors are open and every single person can come in. There isn't anybody that can't come into this place. Here's what I like about this church. We're just, it's a bunch of misfits. We don't all look the same. We don't all act the same. But everyone gets to come in here. I love that about our church. There isn't a stereotype of people. We have, we have so far such a, such a broad, broad, broad stroke of people in here everything. Somehow I got to the tent. They, they brought the P word out there, politics. We've got a, we got a wide spectrum of, of political views in here. We've got dark people, light people. We've got it all in here. We've got it. We got people who have it together. Phrase. We got people who think they have it all together. And we got people who know they're not all together. And we got everybody in between. We've got it all in here today. We got people that are barely making it and some people that are making it. They're doing, we've got it all in here today and everyone gets to come in here. Everybody gets to come in. The doors are open. Everyone gets to come in. And here's the thing. Everyone can come in just the way that they are. Here's the kicker. Most people in our society that we're coming in contact, they don't know the doors are open. They don't know they can come in. And they definitely think this, well, I got to get together and then I'll come in. Then I'll, then I'll, I'm going to come in when I get it. When I get some new clothes, I'm going to come in. When I, when I can quit cussing a little bit, I'm going to come in. When I can quit whatever addiction that I'm going through, then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to come in. Or when I, can, when I can start forgiving people better, then I'm, going to, then I'm going to come in. Friends in here today, we're the lady. 
where the lady, the Bible says that she, this lady was, she was down on her luck. I mean, this, this is a bad day. Everyone from now on is going to know this lady's story for the rest of history. The people that were in proximity with her, they knew the story. Can I tell you what would fill a church up in America today? Any church. There's one church for every thousand people in America. There's one church for every thousand people in America. Does that make sense? I'm not good with numbers. One church for every thousand people. And churches are closing every single day. Every single Sunday, there are churches closing. Every single Sunday. There are more churches closing than that are starting. Why do we get so excited about planting churches? Because they're shutting down so fast that we're having a hard time. We're, we're trying to open them up faster because they're closing so fast. Does that make sense? It shouldn't make sense. But here's why people don't come to church. Like, I wonder why people don't want to come to church. Because they feel like this lady, they have guilt, pain, and shame, and they think they got to get, get cleaned up to come in. They think they got to go out and buy a church outfit to go to church. What happened? What happened in the translation of people reading this Bible to what you see throughout the week, Monday through Friday, of people that are living their lives and bringing people into this place? I don't know. I wish I knew, but I do know this. The byproduct of whatever happened was this. People feel like they can't come in. And this should be the safest place to come. This should be the most accessible place to come as a church. Because everyone in here is screwed up and everyone here needs Jesus. That's it. That's, that's, that's it. There's only one kind of person here. We're all screwed up and we all need Jesus. There's one kind of person. There's not better. There's not worse. There's not good. There's not, it's all the same. It's all screwed up people all needing Jesus. That's it. So did you know this? I, I got to end. <clears throat> did you know this? 85% of unchurched people are at least somewhat likely to come to church if they were invited. 85%. That's a big number, right? Like you're, you're saying to me, Wes, that eight out of 10 of my friends, if I invite them, you're gonna, they're going to come to church. Statistically, the guys that study this, this is what they're saying. That's, that's a big number. Like, I'll go to a restaurant today and I'll leave an invite card. Got one in my wallet, I think. Yeah. I can leave an invite card at, at the restaurant today. It's dusty in there. I can leave an invite if I had an invite card. Where's my invite card? If I left an invite, I will leave an invite card at the restaurant or invite that lady. <laughs> She's not, the chances of her coming are, there are very slim. Here's why. Because she works every Sunday. But more so than that, she doesn't know who I am. But if I go to my neighbors and say, hey, I want to invite you to church, they're more likely to come. Today I had a friend, uh, she'd been crossfitting for maybe maybe two weeks. I've worked out with her three times, Alana. She came. I invited her. She's like, oh, we'll come. She's like, because my, 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 my mom, her friend goes to your church. She's more likely to come to this church because she... She, there's a personal invite. She, she knows me. Eight out of 10 people. So if you got 10 friends this week, if you go out and invite eight of your friends, barring that they're going to be out of town, eight out of 10, the most likely are going to come to this. But here's the kicker. 2% of church people, 2% of church going people ever invite someone to church in a given year. 2%. So that means like, a few of us are actually bringing people to church. That's what, that, that's what that statistic says. Just a few of us are inviting our friends. I don't know about you guys. Here's what makes it easy for me to invite people. 
not like, oh, you're an extrovert. It should be easy for you. You know, you're the pastor you're supposed to. Here's what makes it easier for me. There are people out there, they're hurting and they need Jesus. They need the experience that this lady had. Not the first part, the latter part. Where Jesus says, hey, I know you had a tough go. I know you deserve, I know you got a lot of guilt, pain and shame, a lot of struggles, but I want you to know that I love you. Now, for a lot of you guys in here today that you're law people and you think she should have been, you thought she should have been stoned. The Bible says that Jesus says to her, you're forgiven, which is grace. But he also gives her the law and the law tells us what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. So then he says, or you're forgiven, but stop doing that. Like a lot of us, like we wanna hear, tell us what we shouldn't do. And, 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 and that's why the law is important. The law is not obsolete because we have grace. The law is important because it points us to grace. It gives us a standard of living. But here's the beauty about this whole Jesus thing. The law says you shouldn't kill. You shouldn't steal. You shouldn't commit adultery. And the list goes on. You shouldn't covet. You shouldn't have no other gods before. That's all good. But here's where grace comes in. Here's where law and grace have a relationship. That's the law. And we're not supposed to do those things. And I do covet my neighbor's stuff sometimes. I do that. Sometimes I do put other gods before big G God. I do do that. I do that. But here's why grace is important. For whenever you do break the Ten Commandments, grace says, I still love you. I'm not done with you yet. I still have a plan with you. Forgiven. You're going to make it. I'm going to help you through it. That's why grace is, that's why, that's where law, law the law is important. Don't be like, oh, I don't, I don't read the Old Testament. That's, that's, we have grace. We need the law to give us a, a guideline. We need the grace for whenever we screw the law up. And that's why salvation is so important. That's why the grace of Jesus is so important.